Hello, Bend Beeves, and welcome back to the Career Lift Podcast. As I'm sure you've heard, we had a great week last week attending the career fair and talking to both students and employers alike. So this week, we're going to follow up with some helpful tips and information to get you on the path to success with job applications. With that in mind, we'd like to welcome back Megan to the show. Hey, hey. Megan, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. I know we had a discussion on this last year, but it never hurts to brush up the information with some new tips. So what do you have for us today? Alrighty, let's talk resumes. I could talk resumes all day, um, but I always like to consider resumes as being a marketing tool. So depending on your industry, typically you're going to use a resume instead of a CV. We see those a lot in academia. And a CV is really meant to capture everything that you've ever done anywhere and everywhere, whereas with a resume, you can be a little bit more choosy about what you include. So I would recommend leaving off stuff that's not super relevant and really targeting every resume to each position that you're applying to. And with that in mind, recruiters spend an average of just seven seconds reviewing your resume and are more likely to spend time on your resume if it's formatted correctly. So that means making good use of white space, putting your accomplishments in bullet point format, and using headings and subheadings to break up your resume. I also had a couple questions here for you, if you don't mind. Absolutely. So first off, well, I know there's a lot of discussion about the cover letters and how important those can be, but do all jobs require a cover letter? I've seen positions that ask for it specifically, and I've seen some that don't, and I've never really known if there's an etiquette behind that about whether or not it should be included. Yeah, so that's a great question. I'm of the mind that even if you're not asked specifically to submit a cover letter, you always should. Um, I think a cover letter can provide some really helpful context that goes along with the resume itself. Um, often I tell students that I like to think of the resume and the cover letter in terms of thinking about writing a paper, right? So you have that outline, which is more of the resume, sort of a high-level overview. And then the cover letter, you can get more into like the meat and potatoes of what you're trying to go for. And then for some of our more entrepreneurial students, for the ones that are thinking, oh, I want to go start my own business, is there still value in having a really good resume on hand if that's the direction you're trying to go? I definitely think so. So having a good resume is something that just really is going to help you feel more confident in your job search, no matter what that search looks like. So even if you're hoping to go out and break it out on your own, having a resume that you can share with folks is something that's going to be really valuable just in the sense of maybe getting funding down the road, for instance. I hadn't thought so of that. So it's a you know, handy thing to have going for you. Um, but with that in mind, I think for folks who are a little bit more entrepreneurial minded, um, there's ways where you can portray yourself online, such as with an online portfolio using something like Wix or Weebly, um, or even a blog that you could set up on WordPress, mm -hmm. where you could portray yourself just in a digital sense, and that's going to pick up um, you getting searched on Google. Okay, very cool. I'm sure there's a lot of students out there that are really good, they have these hobbies that they enjoy. Is there any situation where putting a hobby on a resume might be valuable, say if it's a hobby where there are skills relevant to the job they're applying for? Yeah, so that's an interesting question because typically I would say leave your hobbies and interests off the resume. It should really be focused more on professional skills. And even though um, you can be really creative with how you incorporate headings and subheadings on your resume, like it doesn't have to be direct work experience, it could be internship experience, volunteering, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, generally, I say keep the hobbies off. Okay. But if it's a hobby that's directly related to your occupation, that might be a way where you could work that in creatively, um, be it in your professional summary or summary of qualifications. 
Um, so I think one area where this really comes to mind would be uh, for students who want to go into the gaming industry, right? If you're someone who's really passionate about gaming and has that skill set um, as a user, right, that might be something that we could speak to perhaps in the context of a cover letter or, again, in that summary of qualifications. Or I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, Megan, for anyone that's still figuring this out, what would you say are like top three things to do or things to have set up for your resume? What are those top three tips? Okay, top three tips. Um, I always like to say, number one, first impressions are key. Because again, we're talking seven seconds, and research has proven this time and time again, looking at hiring managers with sensory goggles on, and they are able to spend about 15% more time on your resume if you have it set up correctly. So making sure, again, that you're using plenty of white space, um, that things are formatted consistently, right? Yeah. Like having all of your dates lined up. If you've bolded things in one area, make sure you're bolding it throughout. Um, and use a font that's going to be captured cleanly in the applicant tracking system. So the applicant tracking system is the software that recruiters use when they're posting jobs online. And it's basically that database um, that your resume goes into whenever you're applying. So sometimes it's kind of like the black hole, right? <laughs> um, and that's often because if you're using a font, for instance, that's hard to read or that you've downloaded off the internet, it doesn't always play well with the applicant tracking system. And so we recommend those tried and true fonts that come already installed on your computer, like Garamond or Arial, right? Um, just those standard fonts that are going to be across the board, easily translatable. Otherwise, awesome. your resume is going to be a bunch of symbols and squiggles, and we don't want that. We don't want to use whirly gigs. Yes, no whirly <laughs> gigs. That's not quite what we're going for here. But yes, first impressions are key. Um, you know, aesthetics aren't everything. Obviously, we want to make sure that that content is dialed in, uh, but really just focusing on those first impressions of getting things captured cleanly on one page. Next up, I would say resumes are not one size fits all. And this is a really common um, misperception, right? Where we're thinking that you just have that one resume, you write it up and you're done. That's all you have to do. No. So ideally what you should be doing is tailoring your resume to each position that you apply to, which seems really extra. It seems like it's a ton of work, um, but it's just a matter of wanting to beat the bots in that applicant tracking system. Okay. Because what happens is when a recruiter inputs the job description, the software is going to take a peek at all of the keywords and phrases on there and compare it against what's on your resume. Hmm. So if you fall below like a certain threshold of a match, you're going to get put lower on their list or outright rejected entirely depending on the software that's being used. So there you go in that black hole, yeah. the virtual trash can, and you're not even getting reviewed by an actual person. So that's why really important to make sure that we're using a lot of those same keywords and phrases from the job description itself. Okay, perfect. And then tip number three is emphasize your accomplishments. So nowhere on your resume should we see anything that says something along the lines of duties included. We want to make sure that we're starting off every single bullet point with some sort of compelling action verb. So things like led, directed, coordinated, right? You can go on Google and you can even search for industry-specific action verbs for your resume because there's different ones that make sense for uh, different niche areas. So make sure you start off with a strong action verb, you're qualifying and quantifying your experience. So really going into the nitty-gritty of what you did and describing, for instance, if you're a nanny, how many children did you nanny for? What were their ages? Was there anything else that 
would be relevant information to know. Perhaps, uh, you know, two under two, right? That's certainly an undertaking. Um, yeah. But just little areas where you can provide some context that bring to life what you did. So Megan, you've given us a lot of great tips on what to do right, but I'm sure there's a couple things that should be outright avoided when you're doing your resume. Uh, can you tell me what some of those might be? Yeah, for sure. So I think uh, number one is templates. It is so tempting to go online, right, and just go on Pinterest or um, any of these online retailers that are offering these templates. You, you can even find them in Microsoft Word um, or Canva. And I shouldn't be giving away all of these places where you can find the <laughs> templates as I encourage you not to use them because they don't play well with the applicant tracking system most of the time. Huh. And so, yes, they're pretty. Um, they make your job a lot easier in that sense where it's just kind of plug and play. Um, but really, just open up a blank Google Doc or a Microsoft Word document and create your resume the old-fashioned way. And if you need help with making it pretty, um, Jen and I in the Career Development Center are here to help with that. Um, but I would say definitely avoid the templates. Along those same lines, avoid using any sort of like symbols on your resume. I see sometimes folks who download things like an envelope to put it next to their email address hmm. just for kind of a you know, cute aesthetic effect, but again, doesn't play well with the applicant tracking system. We also want to avoid pictures, and that's where a lot of those templates have a space for you to include a headshot. Mm. And we want to avoid that because your resume is something that should be just a description objectively of your skills, experience, and education. So we don't want any background noise that could be associated with having a headshot on there. When we think of like protected class details, that can be made apparent uh. through having a headshot. Okay. So just because we don't know if folks are going to be discriminatory, and we always hope for the best that they're not, but it's best to leave anything off your resume that could point to that direction. Gotcha. We also, along the same lines, personal details. We see sometimes resumes where people list their age or where they're born. You don't need to do that. Um, granted, in some different countries, that's the norm on a resume. Um, but of course, here in the US, if you're job searching, we want to leave off those personal details. Okay. We mentioned the hobbies and interests. I'm not a fan of having those on your resume. I think that it's appropriate like in a context such as LinkedIn, but mm -hmm. definitely keep it off the resume. Same with an unprofessional email address. That's kind of the kiss of death right there. Mm. I've seen some doozies in my day. So. <laughs> oh, no. so just make sure that we're sticking to the tried and true last name, first name, or first name, last name at gmail.com, you know, that first initial last name at gmail or whatever email provider that you'd like to use. Um, but really, just keep it to your name. We don't need to have any sort of weird symbols and numbers and suggestive stuff going on in our email addresses, especially when we're trying to convey ourselves in a professional manner to employers. Of course. And then, objective statements. Those are my biggest pet peeve when it comes to the resume. And that's because an objective statement um, really focuses on what you're looking for in that job search instead of presenting yourself as a solution to the employer's problems. And so you're basically taking up real estate on your resume, talking about me, 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 this is what I want. Instead, you can incorporate some of those key words from the job description and really paint yourself as being a professional who's going to come in and solve problems for that employer. Once again, a big thank you to Megan Brando for sitting down with us to talk about tips and tricks to help make your resumes and cover letters shine. With that, we've reached the end of our episode for this week. Thank you all for listening. We hope you'll tune in next week as we meet with a brand new guest speaker 
in an effort to continue to give your career a lift. Until next time, this is Career Lift, signing off.